620 WGN. Hello there. It's Amy Guth in for Anna Devlantis today and tomorrow with you one to three. Glad to be here. Thanks so much for sharing part of your afternoon with me. And hello to esteemed producer Jasmine Cooper, the hardest working woman in show business. (laughs) How are you? Good, good. Always a pleasure to work with you. Always, always. You do so much. We've got a big show today. We We do. We got a lot to talk about. We've got a lot of things. Among them, a little bit later this hour, we're going to be talking about daylight savings time, which I don't know about you, but that is a thing I am feeling today for sure. It's never the Sunday you feel it. You wake up Sunday, it's okay. You're like, ah, I lost an hour, but I'm okay. I'm going to just fix my clocks on the microwave and the stove and it's fine. It's fine. It's the Monday after. Where it's you're so like, gloomy outside, too. And I was just going to say, right. and the weather does not help. <laughs> it saying, does not help at all. I'm like, oh, I got to caffeinate because I'm going to, otherwise people are going to snooze on me if I don't, if I'm like, mm. so yeah, so we're going to be talking with an expert. We're going to be talking a little bit about that uh, with uh, Next Star Washington correspondent Kelly Meyer with uh, to share her expertise on this very topic, because you know what? It, there's more to it than you think. There's a lot of, there's right. a, a lot of things at stake. There's, uh, there's health issues and considerations. There are economic issues and considerations. So coming up in the one uh, 145-ish time, we're going to be talking with her. But prior to that, we are going to be talking with WGN TV's Eric Rung about the latest at uh, Loyola Academy and Wilmette and to see if there's any other detail to be had on the closing of Vaughn High School on the northwest side. Uh, we we know, want to keep everybody up to date on that. But another thing that's kind of emerged, I think, that uh, John Hansen and I were just talking about a little bit that I think is really really important. We're going to be talking with somebody who is in the mental health space because there's so much to grapple with right now. There's a lot of headlines and a lot of news that can be a little overwhelming right now. We're talking about coronavirus. We're talking about the markets. We're talking about, you know, all this stuff. And it can be a lot. It can be a little overwhelming, even if you're not like feeling panic, even if you're like, okay, I think it might be, you know, I I think I'm reasonably healthy and this is going to be okay. I think even then there's some, there's a lot of, I think anytime there's a lot of unknowns, people get a little, you know, a little wound up about that. So we're going to be talking with a mental health professional about that, a a little bit about that to see. That was Jordan just testing one too. Oh, okay. I was like, what are are we doing? Let's, what are we testing? But I I really do think the biggest challenge in this whole story is perspective. You know, it's just, we just, we have it, it, it. I don't know if we're too impatient to understand it or if we're too scared to understand it. But in perspective, is a huge deal. I think you know what I think you nailed it right there, Steve. I think I think the impatience to understand. I think we're in a moment where we're used to getting a lot of information at once, and it's all there. And this is something you have. We have to wait and see. We don't know what's going to happen. We just kind of have to wait it out. And I think that's <laughs> uncomfortable for a lot of people. I mean, you know, we've we've lived through snowstorms here, where you go and buy milk and bread, right? Right. But right. you go to the grocery stores now, and the and the shelves are cleared. They're absolutely clear. It's just amazing to me. Yeah, I mean, there's there are no Clorox wipes. There's no Clorox bleach. There's none of the like Lysol spray. There's no hand sanitizer. I mean, it's really, really empty. So it's like it's on people's minds. My, I don't know about your grocery store, but mine has a sign up now that says over like the toilet paper and paper towel section that says you can only buy six rolls at a time. Yeah, we saw that last week at um, Costco at some stores where you couldn't buy toilet paper. You couldn't buy hand sanitizer. I don't, I don't quite get the toilet paper thing. I know. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I just don't understand that. I mean, fair enough. Enough. If, if indeed anyone had to quarantine in their homes for preventative measures, you, that's something you don't want to be without, for sure. <laughs> right. but, we had an uh, Airbnb in L.A. last week. We were without it, but we survived. Right. You, you made it. You, you've survived that ordeal, Steve. Good job. <laughs> yeah. So a lot it of It was stuff, hard. It, I know. It, we're, all of our thoughts are with you in this time. <laughs> right. But yeah, there's a lot of consideration. So we're going to be talking with someone working in that mental health space, because I think even just sitting with unknowns can be really, really challenging, not to mention 
if maybe you're out of an abundance of caution, if your school or workplace has 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 closed down or is saying, hey, you know, let's you need to be at home for 14 days, just monitor for symptoms, see what's going on. Even then, there's some challenges there of of kind of not knowing those unknowns, what you might want to consider. So that's why we've brought in a professional. In the second hour, we're going to be talking, it's Money Monday, of course. So we're going to be talking with a financial professional about the markets and what we've seen so far today and what, what that means for us, right? We can talk about the markets, but what does that really mean for our own households and our own pockets. So those are all important considerations. And then we're going to, of course, talk about trending stories, but also about keeping ourselves well, even just generally in cold and flu season, talking about keeping your immune system high. That's really important. Like one thing that stuck out in researching that a little bit, uh, one thing that stuck out really quickly was, you know, maybe now's not the time to be like stress drinking. (laughs) Everybody like, I know there's been, I I know everybody I'm connected to on social media has made a lot of jokes like, oh, there's not enough wine in the world to handle the news today. But you know what? Might want to be laying off that because a combination of, you know, like daylight savings plus concerns and keeping your health high and good. Not 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 the time to be boozing. So know. the president has, you know, downplayed the significance of it and says there's plenty of tests around and things. And you can be critical of that. Yeah. But he was tweeting out today about the fact that how many, you know, 30, 70,000 people die every year of the flu. And, yeah, I saw that. And I, I don't think that's an illegitimate question. Like, how does this... How does one match to the other? Well, I think simply that, that one is past tense and one is current. Well, but we're in a bad, bad flu season, too. Indeed I mean, we are, which all the more reason we should keep our health up. You know, I think right. especially as we're doing this to, to keep to keep from taxing the health system in the state unnecessarily and the country, I think it's important for all of us to be healthy. So lots of things to talk about. We're going to take a break and we come back. Lots of things to do here on 720 WGN. Seven twenty WGN. It's Amy Guth in for Anna Devlantis. Oh my gosh, Jasmine, what is that song? Is it "Walking Down Your Street"? Walking down by your the street. Bangles. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I haven't heard that in a hot minute. <laughs> oh my gosh, I was like, wait, that's gonna be my head all day. What is that? Wow, way to pull one out of the way back machine, Jasmine. Nice, good times. That's gonna be my earworm the rest of the day. All right, we got lots of things to discuss. Come on, that song's gonna be in my head all day. Come on, help me out. All right. Okay. Well, Lot- sing some more for us, would you please? Oh, no, I was waiting for you for that, Steve. That's all you. You've got okay. it's Ready? Your, it's your day for karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> Good time, Steve Virgin karaoke hour. It's never been my day for That's karaoke. That's what I'm looking forward to. <laughs> all right. So, shifting, shifting gears now, we're joined now by WGN TV's Eric Rung, who is with us to talk about some updates of some closures in the area. Eric, thanks so much for being with us today. Yeah, good afternoon. Nice uh, to speak with you. Uh, Yeah, there are now two uh, Chicago-area schools that have closed uh, because of the virus. Of course, we learned late last week uh, about Vaughn Occupational High School in Portage Park, where a special ed teacher's aide was uh, tested and tested positive for uh, COVID-19. And now that school has been shut down now for um, several days. It won't reopen again until uh, March 18th. And then Loyola Academy uh, told parents 
yesterday in a note that they were made aware that a Loyola Academy student and a student's family had contact with someone who had tested positive for COVID-19. So out of an abundance of caution, they decided to cancel classes there today to, or shut down the school anyway, to get a deep cleaning and disinfect that school. Again, they think the risk is very low because the person that was actually infected uh, never was on campus. They just uh, came in contact with one of the students there, and that student was at school uh, last week. And how long is Loyola Academy in uh, Wilmette, how long is that expected to be closed? Uh, they they uh, are expected to uh, reopen uh, tomorrow as long as as long as long as uh, you know there are no further reasons to have it closed. Again, they they really think that the risk is very very low. Uh, the student as well as the student's family they do not have any symptoms uh, right now. Of course, they're self quarantined, uh, but they 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 think the risk is really low. So they just wanted to get in there, get it cleaned. And just to be on the safe side. Yeah, in a note uh, the school released, it said, to be clear, no Loyola student or staff member has been di- has been diagnosed with COVID-19. Based on conversations with medical experts, we believe the risk to Loyola students is very low. However, as a result of this one student's exposure and out of, a, out of an abundance of caution, classes will be canceled. So that sounds like they're, uh, you know, they're on top of that and just wanting to, uh, you know, exercise caution there. Back to Vaughn Occupational High School. I know not a ton has been made clear since since that news emerged late last week. But do you have any information about any accommodations for the students? I know in some of the original reporting around that closure, uh, there were there were a lot of parents talking to various local outlets uh, with great concerns about how to accommodate for their children's needs while the school was closed. Yeah, that's been an issue that's been brought up by the chairperson of the local school council as well. I talked to her uh, over the weekend, uh, and she expressed a lot of that concern. They were working on uh, getting supplies together for people and the students that w- that will need it. And she also told us that about 70% of the population at Vaughn Occupational High School, uh, they are either living at or below the poverty line. So if they were, in fact, if they do have to stay home uh, over these uh, two weeks um, or week, uh, you know, that could that could really hit them hard. So they're working on ways on trying to get supplies uh, to those students that need them, as well as, you know, just other things like food and, and things like that. So that is being worked on um, as the testing here continues. And, and you'll remember uh, yesterday, or I'm sorry, Saturday, uh, the city, as well as CPS, came out and they said, as of right now, um, it, you know, as long as you weren't in close contact with that teacher's aide, and CDC says the close contact is when you spend about 10 minutes face-to-face with an infected person. If you did not have that close contact with them, then uh, with that teacher, then you don't, they didn't need to self-quarantine. So that help to get some people, uh, you know, that'll allow them to go to work and, and um, at least, you know, the parents, of course, they still have to find ways and resources to take care of their students while they're at work. 
I think that was an important detail that you just mentioned, and, and I've heard a little bit of this, that really defining what close contact means. I think we like, well, does that mean, you know, we made, we shook hands, just hugged, or what does that mean? 10 minutes face to face, that's a great definition to work off of as we're talking about things like community distancing and things like that, of what exactly that means in terms of being in contact. I think that's really important to, to highlight that a bit. Yeah, in the, in the city, uh, the public health department, they have been, most of their guidance that they're giving us is coming from the CDC. All of this information uh, is on the CDC's website, too, um, you know, really explaining in great detail. Now, my uh, definition that I gave uh, gave to you about a close contact here, they, the CDC's website, I mean, they're, you can find a ton more information about that. But that's just kind of the general guidelines as far as what close contact uh, is being defined as by the CDC. Yeah, indeed. Well, you know, we're, we're here to looking today at, at another event canceling at McCormick Place. Certainly, we're watching the stock markets. But late, late Friday, uh, Pritzker, along with uh, Mayor Lightfoot, was talking, uh, making an appeal to insurers to make sure that Illinois residents are covered in this. And so, and Blue Cross Blue Shield responded to that and, and, and agreed to do that and make sure that anything deemed medically necessary would be covered uh, by insurers. But I think there's, you know, there's so many questions about this and so many so many different pieces of this kind of swirling around so I think it's really really good to to talk it through and get good solid information so I really appreciate you taking time to talk it over today you got it Amy anytime Certainly. All right. Thanks so much. All right. So coming up in just a little bit on the other side of news, we're going to be talking with a mental health professional about some of this is kind of overwhelming, right? Sometimes headlines are scary. How do we talk about them? How do we think about them? How do we care for ourselves when there's a lot of unknowns? So that's going to be all coming up on the other side of news here on 720 WGN. Seven twenty WGN. It's Amy Guth in for Anna Devlantis. Thanks so much for being with us this afternoon. I appreciate you sharing part of your time. All right. So we are joined now by Elizabeth Scrivener, who is a licensed professional counselor. And, you know, I wanted to talk with you today, Elizabeth, because I think there's so much information that we're grappling, grappling with right now. You know, there's a lot of information and some of those headlines are, are kind of scary and we, we don't know what we don't know. So we kind of have to sit with a lot of unknowns right now. And so I want to talk with you about the mental health piece of that and some considerations and, and maybe what steps people could could take to just just kind of um, maybe take a breath and maybe uh, help themselves in processing all of the information. Thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate it. Certainly. I'm glad you're here. So, so what can you share with us? So one thing that I want people to look at during this time with all of the information that's coming in is possibly some... Um, what word am I looking for? Center, when you filter it, now I'm really going to make it fun for you all and all your listeners. Filter, there we go. When you filter your information, so if you take it from all the news stations and you take it from all the radio stations and then you take it from all the social media, you're just putting undue stress on yourself. And so choose to filter your information so that you can wisely use your time because it is directly affecting your mental health. 
And and what does that filter look like? Uh, you know, and how do you balance that really with, hey, I, I want to be an informed citizen and, and stay on top of, of the things happening in my world? How, how does someone balance that? So I think choosing informed sites, it's informed news avenues, so a few spaces, but get informed and then go about your day. And then if you want to check back in, do. Maybe give yourself a limit. I'm going to check on coronavirus twice in a day. Maybe if you're at 100 times where you're constantly doing it, maybe you knock it down to 20. But you knock it down to the point where you're living your life while staying informed. I feel like maybe you need to come visit some newsrooms <laughs> where we have to check many more times than, than once a day or twice a day. But that's, well, that's a so whole other conversation. You don't have the choice, and, and many people don't. They don't have the choice. They're inundated. Think about all the doctors. Right, exactly. Um, I was recently in one of my favorite restaurants, and I saw one of the chefs outside, and I was like, okay. But he wasn't on his phone. He wasn't texting. Nothing. And so I went into the restaurant, and I was like, what is he doing? It's like one of my favorites. I'm there all the time. And they were like, oh, he's out from out of town. He's a head chef, and he's taking a break. I go, oh, like you're supposed to do in Vegas. So I think it's important even for people like you, it's really important to take a moment. I'm not saying you're not going to be inundated, but if you don't take a moment, you just need to realize the impact that it has on your mental health. I think that's very, very important to what a novel thing, right? Taking a break, like we're all supposed to do. <laughs> a breath, a breath, you know, <laughs> yeah. a breath, a break. Yeah. Like walking outside. And, and I think that's where when we know, it's kind of like taking the exercise class. It's like, okay, I don't have an hour to drive there. And I don't have an hour to do it. I don't have an hour to then drive home and then shower. So guess what? I don't even want to see the sun, right. you know, or you're in Chicago and I don't know how much you're seeing the sun, but here in Dallas, we're not seeing it much. Yeah, we're not seeing much and of it so today. But guess what? I, I don't have to do an hour. I can still go outside and breathe yeah. some fresh air or get outside of all the screens and all of that that's inundating you. And then I think the other thing that's really beneficial, and I've seen this with my clients before this virus, and that is stick with the facts. Because when we go to the woulda, coulda, shoulda, what will, we get to problems. And they've been crystal clear. Wash your hands. I mean, wash your hands. Okay, then what? Are you stopping down your life? Most people can't. They have to go to work. So you're going to keep living your life, but you're going to wash your hands. And then I do believe, no, and yes, like every place here, I um, was sick the last week, every place swiped as everything major that you could think of. If it goes on the news, gone. Well, that increases anxiety. But the fact is, is that we probably don't need 100 rolls of toilet paper or 4,000 things of sanitary wipes. And so if the average person just takes a few precautions, you know, for your family, what, what would be some good staples you could put in your pantry? Great. And then let it go. Yeah, those, that's very, very sound advice. Um, we I put out a call for text, uh, texters on the text line prior to talking with you to see if they had any questions about mental health and and coronavirus. And uh, one question that's emerged is, uh, how do you talk with children when children are aware and know what's happening and, and see the news around them and maybe don't know how to manage their anxiety as well? How do you, how are you, how can you be honest with your kids and, and but also protect them at the same time? time and explaining what's going on. 
Well, I say the same thing that I've said about everything. Like when they took down Osama bin Laden, I think my boys were like, you know, in little elementary school. And this is fact. They come home. They told me about it. Like people who think unless you're homeschooling and you're with your child 24-7, it's almost impossible for our children, like unless they're in literally in a bubble, they've heard about it before we, and they hear more than we do. And then you put them in a school. I mean, it's just the information's coming fast at them. And so I think I, you say just what I said to you. I've never been one for baby talk. I've never been one for skirting issues. Yes, there's coronavirus. Well, what are we going to do about it? Well, here's what we're doing today. Why don't you boys who are now 16 and a half take off your shoes and wash your hands for once? I mean, if we maybe we'll learn to wash our hands in this house, you know? But I think you, for the little ones, Yes, this is a virus. What what is little six-year-old Sally going to do? She's going to wash her little hands, and then guess what she's going to do? Go play, because that's what kids do best. If you tell it to them, they're gone to the next minute, unlike adults. Well, we ruminate on it. That's right. We do. We do. We ruminate. (laughs) You know, and I think something that's really fueling that, a lot of that rumination, in addition to just there being so much information and so many moving pieces and still a lot of unknowns, I think part of that is the overwhelming amount of misinformation. There's no shortage of speculation and memes and that kind of thing uh, that I think is probably contributing to anxiety, both for adults, but also for for kids, especially kids that are old enough to be using social media yes. and that may not have that discerning, uh, have the ability to discern what's what's accurate and what's not. And that would be so true then to have that conversation with them. I didn't even think about that because they do. By the time they have social media, and when I learned that Snapchat, like that has news stories and articles, like I couldn't have been more shocked. This is years ago, so they're reading faster and than we could ever dream. And so to have the honest conversation is really what needs to happen in the home. Indeed. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of, I mean, that's all what this is, a lot of this is coming down to, right, is about having information and and kind of knowing what we know, and also sitting with knowing, knowing what we don't know, right? I think sitting with that and being comfortable with that is is a big piece of that. It's so great to like, look at people. I mean, it's so awesome. I do it in my practice. I do it in my family. And just to be like, Hmm, I don't know. And what are they going to do with that? What's the worst case with kids? I mean, go ask a friend, but the friend doesn't know. We're still figuring that out. Okay. But today, here are our facts. Here's how we're safe, you know? Don't make up stuff. Just focus on what, what you're going to do. Yeah, and I think so much of that anxiety is is not from kids necessarily, but from adults, is driving some of that misinformation because, as we were saying a little earlier on the program, I think it is difficult in a moment where we have so much information at our fingertips, it's very difficult to to sit and wait and just kind of sit and not know. But nonetheless, thank you so much, Elizabeth Scrivener, licensed professional counselor and Park City's counseling CEO. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us today. Where can people go to find more about your work and get a hold of you if they would like to continue talking? ParkCitiesCounseling.com. Great. Well, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. 
You too. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. All right. We're going to take a little break. On the other side of this break, we're going to be talking about daylight savings time. Lots of stuff there. More than I realized. Indeed. Back in just a bit here on 720 WGN. Amy Guth in for Anna Davlantes. Thanks for being with us today with you till three o'clock and then back again tomorrow, one to three. I don't know about you, Jasmine, but I know Sunday after daylight savings is kind of okay, right? And then it's the Monday after. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, yeah. when you feel it. Sunday, you're like, oh, I slept in a minute. It's okay. However, yesterday was gorgeous. It really was. Gorgeous. I was kind of working all day, but I was like, oh, yeah, it's beautiful. It gorgeous. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's nice. So here to talk about that with us, we are joined by Star Washington correspondent Kelly Meyer to talk all about daylight savings time. Kelly, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Well, so talk to me about daylight savings time. We think about it as just being kind of an inconvenience and then, oh, wait, which clock did I set? Which one's right? All of those kind of things and maybe losing us a little bit of sleep. But in fact, there are some other pretty serious things attached to this when we're thinking about economic and health issues. Yeah, absolutely. And I think maybe some people don't think about, you know, we have the power or Congress has the power to change this if they get enough support and push back from people who are saying they don't want to uh, switch their clocks anymore and change it on all their appliances and cars and things like that. Um, and they could maybe push for this change. Like you said, there are, um, you know, uh, disadvantages that come with it as well. Um, I was talking with Florida Senator Marco Rubio, who's pushing for a bill here called the Sunshine Protection Act that would make daylight saving time permanent across the U.S. And he was saying that doing this would reduce car crashes and car accidents. It would reduce risk for cardiac issues, stroke, seasonal depression. Uh, it would reduce the number of robberies. It would benefit the economy reduce childhood obesity, benefit the agricultural economy, and reduce energy usage. So these are all the things that he listed as he's trying to gain support for his bill and get this pushed through, he's thinking, hopefully in the next year, to make this permanent so we won't have to go through that clock uh, change like we did on Saturday into Sunday and also losing that hour of sleep, which they're saying makes today one of the most dangerous days for you know car accidents or things like that because people are feeling a bit more groggy or a little off, something like that. That's really interesting. That's a big list that you gave that that uh, that Rubio was was talking about. I want to talk about yeah. a couple of those in particular. Uh, what is the connection with crime? Okay, so they're saying that this would reduce the number of robberies by twenty seven percent because of additional daylight in the evening. So what he's looking at is if you have more daylight into the evening hours, it would reduce crime happening maybe in those nighttime hours by cutting back the amount of, uh, you know, dark at that time and maybe reduce crime. And they're saying by 27% it would. That's according to a 2015 study from the Brookings Institution. That's interesting. And then looking at, at energy uh, and, and potential mm-hmm. savings on energy, that, that's also kind of a decent, a decent case could be made there, too. Yeah, so they're saying a 2008 study by the U.S. Department of Energy found that during the four weeks the U.S. extended daylight saving from the the 2005 law, uh, there were savings of about 0.5% in electricity per day, 
Uh, later studies have shown that the energy savings are minimal, but a small savings does occur. And now just referring back to that 2005 law, um, that extended daylight savings time to begin from the second Sunday in March to end the first Sunday in November. So that way it gave eight months of daylight saving time and then four months of standard time, whereas before it was uh, divided, uh, I believe, six and six. And then the point that you mentioned about cardiac health, I get that for the immediate time following the the time change. What does that look like in the, the longer term? I think they're looking at just people not having to, because I was looking at some more studies from, from today as well of the, the health impact, um, and then just kind of throwing off your sleep cycle there. Um, it, it does have long-term effects, and if you're not getting the correct amount of sleep when uh, many Americans these days just aren't anyways, and then to kind of further it back with a change or an abrupt change like this, they're saying could cause um, some major health issues and, like you said, cardiac issues as well, including, and then there's also stroke and seasonal depression in there too. There was a detail in a piece about this from uh, from CNN that I thought was interesting, talking about um, alcohol-related fatalities in, in driving. And that was, so you have evening rush hour, You there's people that maybe would stop for drinks, so generally there'd be fewer people on the road after dark, fewer, you know, less alcohol in their system, fewer people hurrying to get home, there would be fewer kids potentially outside doing outdoor things. So even looking at it as like the public safety issue is is not right. not something I think we're thinking of commonly. I think most people are just kind of grumbling about changing clocks and losing a little bit of sleep. But these are some really pretty serious issues that, that you surface with this. Exactly. And that's what uh, Senator Marco Rubio from Florida mentioned as well. And in, in Florida, there's a lot of after school activities. And if they have that extra hour of sunshine for kids to be out there playing their sports and, and being in activities, it would not only help them. And like we said, and we mentioned earlier from a childhood obesity standpoint, but just also keeping kids safe potentially with more daylight extending into the evening hour. So they're able to play outside and have their sports activities. And then therefore, he says that would also benefit the economy if more people are staying out and attending these games or out with their kids and grab ice cream on the way home, it could help benefit the Florida economy. He thinks that changing this, making daylight saving time permanent would benefit the economy in his state. Very, very interesting stuff. Lots of stuff to consider. What is the uh, timeline looking like on this proposal he's made? Yeah, so he introduced this bill in, in 2019. Right now, it's sitting in Congress collecting dust, basically. They read it twice and referred it to a committee. It hasn't been brought to a hearing yet to discuss it, um, but Rubio believes, and so does um, some of the congressmen who are introducing it and pushing forward in the House, both believe that it could get done this year, and we also know that President Trump has signaled his support to this, which means he would sign it if it got to his desk. Uh, he said last year, after the uh, previous daylight saving time switch, that he would be okay Hey, uh, with a permanent daylight saving time. Very interesting stuff. Well, thanks so much. Next Star Washington correspondent Kelly Meyer, thanks for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Certainly. All right. You know, I think that this kind of dovetails into another thing that I was recently reading about, and that is the idea of, because as you know, we are in a leap year. So there was, um, you know, there was a lot of information about like babies being born on February 29th and things like that. And I know I had a relative, I had a great aunt, she was born February 29th. So by the time she died, she'd actually only had something like 37 birthdays or something, something not even that many, I think, like 20, 28 birthdays or something like that. But there is, if you are not feeling Leap Day, there is a proposed other calendar. I don't know if you've heard of this, Jasmine. It is called the Hank, I think I'm saying that right, Hank with an E, or it could be Hanky, Henry permanent calendar. And it would make sure that the year always starts on a Monday. 
And it would be, you would make a couple of tweaks throughout the year. So it would be like a steadier calendar. You know, January 1st is always going to be on Monday. I'm on board with this because my birthday would always fall on a Saturday then. That's very interesting. I haven't heard about this. I will send you a piece. Like uh, CNN wrote like a whole primer on it. I think Forbes wrote something about it. It was really interesting. I I don't know. I think that's reasonable. I think so. But I have to think about the holidays and where those lie. You know what I mean? That's right. What if Christmas was on a Friday every year? I think it works it out. I think that's the whole thing is that like to to make these tweaks, then it's always conveniently, uh, you know, holidays are always on a weekend, things like that. I don't know. I kind of like sometimes when the big holidays are in the middle of the week. Because or at least like later oh, in the yeah, week, because yeah, then you get yeah. extra days, right? To right, right. Chill. <laughs> That's the thing. I don't know. Maybe if if um what what Kelly was just talking about, maybe if that doesn't work out, maybe at the very least, here's something that could maybe uh, kind of accommodate both those things. Maybe we should just have a day, like it's a national holiday, a federal holiday after daylight savings time. Oh, that is that is pretty good. It's the like everybody chill out and catch up day. Right. No, that's that's very interesting. I'm on board with that. Yeah. Let's make that happen. Will you sponsor that bill? I will sponsor it. I don't know why you haven't run for office, Jasmine. You would be phenomenal at that. <laughs> You'd be. Go- I would vote for you. Well, thank you. Thank you. You'd be great. And you would take no nonsense from anyone. Exactly. No, no none whatsoever. All right. Well, we're going to head to news here in just a little while on the other side of news. It's Money Monday. And of course, there's a lot to talk about with the stock market. So we're going to be talking with Paul Nolte, who is SVP and Senior Portfolio Manager at Kingsview Asset Management. All about that. What I am most interested in talking with him about is how do we translate that everything happening in the stock market to our own households and pocketbooks. I think that's a really important, important thing to consider of, you know, what, what does that mean for us? I think a lot of, a lot of um, financial professionals have been out today and various outlets saying, don't panic, don't make any changes, don't do anything, write it out, don't make any decisions based on emotions. But you know what, I think it's, it's easier said than done, right? And I think then there's, there's questions about what, what if there is a recession? How do you kind of uh, buffer against that a little bit and, and write it out as best you can? So lots of questions. Again, if you've got questions you would like to ask for Money Monday, go ahead and text them in 312-981-7200, and we will get to as many of those as we possibly can. All right, so we're going to break and get to news and all that good stuff coming up next on 720 WGN. Seven twenty, WGN. Hey there, it's Amy Guth in for Anna Devlantis today. Wow, Jasmine, you are playing all the hits of the eighties today. Try, try, good ones. They're gonna. I mean, I'm gonna be in like classic MTV mode the rest of the day. Thanks to you. You're welcome. You're welcome. A Phil Collins throwback. I don't know what's next. Like Peter Cetera, maybe something like that. Pat no, Benatar. Stay tuned. Stay tuned <laughs> for more. All right. Well, friends, it is Money Monday, and there is lots of stuff to talk about. If you have money questions, and you know you do, three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. You know what? I think we can take some calls. I think we've got our next guest for two segments. So let's do this. Let's take some calls again. Three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. We're joined now by Paul Nolte, who is SVP and Senior Portfolio Manager at Kingsview Asset Management. Paul, welcome to the program. Happy Money Monday, or not? <laughs> Well, it's Monday, and we're working on the happy part once we get the markets closed. Yeah, that's right. So a lot of interesting, you know, things, if you just kind of step back and look at what happened at at the last 24 hours, even starting Sunday night, what was happening with markets globally, uh, it paints a really interesting and a bit scary story. 
It does. I mean, we've had the coronavirus now for a couple of weeks. <clears throat> and then last Friday, we had a, a, a complete breakdown in the OPEC talks, or what they're calling OPEC Plus, the plus being Russia. And Russia walked away and said, you know, we're going to produce whatever we're going to produce. And Saudi Arabia said, you know, I'll tell you what, since we're the low-cost producer, we're going to flood the market with oil, and we're going to drop the price of oil and push out all those other uh, companies as well as countries that can't profit when oil prices drop. And we're really going to put the hurt on. And that's what's happened here. <clears throat> the fallout from that is you have a lot of companies in the United States and also around the world that have relied on debt to keep their operations going and, and such. Now with the price down as much it is, as it is, they may not be profitable and we may see some bankruptcies pick up over the course of the next six months to a year if energy prices stay where they are or continue to fall. And that is really the worry compounding the uh, coronavirus uh, issues around the world. So then fast forward to the markets opening this morning and some things that things happened this morning that we do not see often. Talk me through those. No, and actually this is an outcropping of the crash in 1987. And so what happened at the open is overnight the futures are only allowed to go down 4.5%. So they hit that limit, and that was it. They stopped trading that product. When the markets opened, <clears throat> they were allowed to drop 7% at the open, and then they have to stop for 15 minutes, everybody take a deep breath, and then they reopen. If after that they fall down 13%, so another 6%, they'll shut it down for another 15 minutes. And then if it goes down 20% total, they stop trading for the day entirely. Which are really interesting mechanisms. And I, I mean, I think that kind of stuff is so interesting. I, I love talking about this stuff. But we also have to look at very practical terms. What does this mean for our own wallets? And how do we make sure that we're not taking on too much risk ourselves? Well, I mean, that's that's the part right now where a lot of people are looking at it going, geez, I didn't realize I was this invested in the market or I had this much risk, or I was comfortable with the risk when the markets were rising. I'm not so comfortable now. And so that's where that asset allocation discussion is extremely important about talking about what can happen in the markets. So what we're looking at it today is <clears throat> things are on sale. There are some very good companies, very good industries um, that are generating cash, still very good cash flow and revenues, et cetera, that are going to get hurt by a slowdown in the global economy. But we think this is temporary. It's not a permanent condition. Um, so a year from now, maybe a year and a half from now, uh, we should see stock prices and a lot of the prices for these companies higher than they are today. But we have to get through that, and that's a very, very tough tough thing to do when you're looking either at your statement once a month or if you're looking at the screen every day and looking at those losses. Right, and that's where, you know, those conversations come in about not making emotional decisions and, and you know, averaging out over over a month or a year to really have a, a more accurate picture of your of your portfolio. Absolutely. And one of the things that we've talked about in the past, too, is is taking those gains where you have them and reallocating back to uh, whatever your allocation is. So at the beginning of the year, equities are probably overweight relative to your bonds because equities did so well last year. Take a little bit of money off the table, buy some bonds. 
Now that we've got almost the exact opposite, bonds have done extremely well so far this year. Equities, not so much. And so this may be an opportunity to take a little bit of money off the table on the bonds and use that to buy back stocks. And again, if anyone wants to call in 312-981-7200, we can take some questions for sure. One thing I'm wondering about is, you know, we're having conversations with with under the consideration of, you know, what what's in your portfolio, what are your goals, and what is your timeline towards retirement or, or whatever your, you know, your next big purchases are. But what about households that are already, you know, maybe not, maybe somewhere in between outright struggling and, and you know, deeply planning and, and well-vested? And, and in their retirement, things like that. What about, you know, I think that's a big swath of people who are who are really worried about, hey, what does the future hold? How can the average household kind of buffer against maybe rough economic times? Well, and that's part of that allocation decision, uh, stocks, bonds, and cash. How much do you have in each bucket? <clears throat> and the older you get, the more theoretically you should have in bonds, because those are the parts of the portfolio that don't move around too terribly much where the equities really can swing. So if you're in uh, distribution mode, you're taking parts of the portfolio out to make uh, to, to, to live on, uh, to augment Social Security or anything else that you may have, you're going to want to have a a reasonable amount in bonds so that you can weather these types of periods without disturbing the equity portion of your portfolio uh, to allow for this storm to pass and allow for the equities to to rise again. So again, that's part of that discussion of, uh, again, taking some money out of the portfolio when equities do well, move it over to the bond side, and uh, use that then to augment your Social Security or, or your living expenses as you're going through time. It's Money Monday, and we're talking with Paul Nolte, who is SVP and Senior Portfolio Manager at Kingsview Asset Management. Again, we'll take some calls here, 312-981-7200. If you have got questions, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will answer your questions and keep the conversation rolling with Paul Nolte. Back in just a bit here on 720 WGN. It's Amy Guth in for Anna Davlantis here, and it's Money Monday, so we're talking with Paul Nolte, who is SVP and Senior Portfolio Manager at Kingsview Asset Management. He knows all the things. So if you've got questions, ask him the things. 312-981-7200. You can text us or you can call and we will get to all of those things. Paul, uh, another question that came in, 815 area code, wants to know what your opinion is about real estate investment trusts and their ability to weather rough or volatile times. Uh, it's a real good question because <clears throat> when you take a look at them, they have uh, very good income. Uh, they pay out the rents that they're receiving in the way of income to their investors. Uh, but you have to be a little careful about what real estate you're investing in. Some of them are in strip malls. Some of them uh, standalone malls. Some of them uh, nursing facilities, etc. So, uh, but they, it makes sense to take maybe a look at a fund of those. That all being said, because interest rates have come down as much as they have, those types of investments, utilities are also in that bucket, have really moved up a lot in price over the last three, four months or so and are kind of expensive at this point. So if interest rates turn around and start going back up again, you may actually see uh, real estate and utilities come down in price as they get reset to be compared to treasuries. So while they're good income, realize that that is one of the risks. They will move with interest rates. That 
is a really good question. So as we're moving forward in, in just, just the days ahead here, we've had this very volatile day after a pretty volatile week in the, in the market. What are you going to be, what aspects in particular are you going to be monitoring most closely? There's a couple. One is to see kind of what happens to oil prices. Uh, we've got the big shock today. <clears throat> see what happens here tomorrow. One of the things I think that is going to be important to see what if we do get close to a intermediate or a short-term bottom here for the market is if there is selling that goes on in the treasury market. While this has been going on over the last three weeks, four weeks or so, almost every day you have seen the Treasury yields decline. And it didn't matter if the equity markets were going up or going down. People were buying the Treasuries. When that turns around and we start to see the yields back up a little bit, that will tell us that people are selling those securities, the Treasuries, and maybe buying the stocks. And that will at least give us a sense that there might be a short-term bottom at least trying to get formed in the marketplace. Another question that's come in from the 773 area code, and the question is, how wise is it to take money from a 401k to purchase a second property? That one's a tough one, uh, and better suited with the accountant, uh, because it needs to stay with, it. if you're buying it within the um, 401k or within an IRA, there's a certain amount of rules that are uh, applied to that. Somebody has to be the custodian of that. Banks normally will not be custodians for real estate inside of IRAs because they have to value it each year. They have to, again, you have to take distributions, et cetera. How do you do that with real estate? So a lot more difficult. If you're taking it out, paying the tax, and then using that for a second home, completely different discussion, but you could wind up with a very large tax bill that, again, may not make a lot of sense to do that, uh, at least over the next six six years or so, something like that, to recoup all of the money that you've paid back in the taxes uh, that you're paying as you roll out the 401k. All right. I got another one for you, Paul. This one also from the 815 area code. And this person says, uh, it sounds like there's some dissatisfaction here. Okay. The question is, what if you're 28 and work for a company with a matching 401k and you have to invest in their selected products? The follow question on that is anything you can is there anything you can do to stop the bleeding? So yeah, it sounds like there's some dissatisfaction there, but what is your advice? Okay. In a four oh one K you have a menu of choices. <clears throat> so you normally will have anywhere between four or five and as many as a hundred different um, mutual funds that you are allowed to invest in. Some of them are the S&P 500, market indexes. You will have the ability to put some money in bonds. So there should be a money market instrument or a fixed income instrument that you can put some or all of your money into if you want to uh, completely avoid this and not have to worry about it. That would be a place to go. But 401ks, by definition, um, you have a restricted um, uh, choices, but... That being said, they are divided up between equities, fixed income, or bonds, and they generally will have a cash component, which yields uh, what cash does right now, which is about a tenth of a percent. Now, the person who who sent that text from the 815 notes that they're 28. Do you have any special considerations for someone in that age group? 
for that age group, especially getting started, I wouldn't be too terribly worried about the uh, the bleeding that's going on today. You've got two things that are working for you. One is that you're making contributions to it on a regular basis, so your dollar cost averaging is this market's bouncing all over the place. The second part is you've got 30-plus years uh, before you really need to take that money out in retirement. You will probably, over that next 30 years, see at least four or five more instances like what we're experiencing uh, over that time frame. So I wouldn't try to time it here, but use the opportunity to pick up very cheap shares for what will probably be a 30- to 40-year window. It sounds like very, very sound advice. Uh, while, while esteemed producer Jasmine is looking through a couple of other text messages, I think we might have some duplicate uh, duplicate questions being asked there. But uh, I had just started asking you before we took some some questions about tells, you know, that you'll be looking for uh, in the days ahead. There's a lot of, uh, you know, anytime we talk about investor fear and and portfolio fear, there's always, and there's any kind of black swan event, there's always conversation about is that, does this mean we're in a recession? Has it started? Is there one coming? What, you know, what are the, to you, what are the tells where you say, okay, this is different. Now we need to make some more, some different moves. Yeah, this one is kind of, it is very different. And, you know, each recession is a little bit different um, than the last. So it's kind of hard to use an old playbook. But this is, in our mind at least, when we take a look at this, this is not going to be something that's going to be industry damaging for a long period of time, similar to the financial crisis, which did a number on banks and brokerage firms in the housing market. Um, This is going to be temporary. We'll get through the virus, um, and you will see travel. You will see people going to restaurants, et cetera, again. Uh, It'll take some time, so it's a short-term dislocation. Uh, What we've seen coming into this event was economic data was actually pretty strong in the United States. We forgot we had an unemployment number on Friday that on a regular Friday, people would look and go, holy cow, the yield market would probably be falling out of bed, yields would be going up, and the market would be doing very well because the economy looks so strong. So there's going to be probably three to four months of very poor economic data. I'm not sure if that would be recessionary because of more exogenous events than it is a buildup of inventories or a complete dislocation, which is what you normally see in advance of uh, recessions. Very, very interesting stuff. I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today to talk on Money Monday and, and a very important Money Monday, I would add at that. Paul Nolte, SVP and Senior Portfolio Manager at Kingsview Asset Management. Paul, where can people reach you if they have other questions they didn't get to ask today? They can always drop me a note, which is the easiest to do. It's pnolte, N-O-L-T-E, at kingsviewam.com. Sounds good. And, it, and Jasmine, you said there's there's one more question that's coming in, and that is uh, from 847, I have to get rid of my 401k. Where should I put my money? <laughs> Now, if you've got to get rid of it and you're eligible to roll it over, you can roll it over to a brokerage firm and and become a self-directed IRA account. You want to keep it underneath that IRA umbrella so you don't have to pay the taxes right away. But then you can move it from the 401k to that IRA account, and then you can take charge of how you want to invest it. There you go. Always sound advice. Thanks so much for being with us today, Paul. Appreciate your time. We'll talk soon. Thank you. All right. Sounds good. All right. We're going to take a little break on the other side of news. Plenty of other things to talk about.
720 WGN. It's Amy Guth in for Anna Davlantis. Lots of things here still to do coming up on the program a little bit later. We're going to be talking about trending stories. If you've got a trending story that's on your mind, on your radar, in your social feed, text it to us, 312-981-7200, or call us. We want to talk about it. All the things that are on your minds. So... um here coming up, we have, we're going to be talking about uh, keeping our immune system nice and strong and all that good stuff. So maybe we're not. Just kidding. We're not going to be talking about that. I just got word that uh, our doctor that we were going to speak to about that has had to cancel. So we're not going to be talking about that topic. Well, good. You're on your own then. I'll talk to you in a few minutes. Thanks, Steve. That's great. <laughs> that's, that's the best feeling. When, when Okay, when doctors start right. to bail on the radio, we know it's bad. All right, build a bomb shelter. Let's go. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, you guys. I'm totally kidding. So, you know, um, Ireland has canceled all St. Patrick's Day festivities. Oh, I was wondering about how Which is, it's not quite the same as it's it is not, here no. at all. But, um, yeah, it's like, you know, and, and I've got a group, uh, Lou Manfredini's taking a group of, uh, of WGN listeners to Ireland on the 19th. Mm. And um, How's that looking? Well, it's fine. I mean, it's, it, you know, they're not really saying don't go. Yeah, that's right. We're, we're, we're looking at the WHO and the CDC, and they're not saying don't get on an airplane. It's 50 people, and yeah. but it's a it's an uncomfortable situation. Yeah, it obviously. is. It is. And, you know, I, I did see this. You don't want to quit out of fear. Right. So. But you also don't want to be like, can't get me, can't get me. You know? Right. You don't want to be daring fate either. You know, the, at one point the CDC was recommending, uh, I think that happened Saturday or Sunday. I don't have that data right in front of me. Uh, recommending that, that people 60 or older maybe limit use of air travel. Uh, you know, I know that's a big part of, uh, you know, as we're looking at conventions shutting down and not happening at McCormick Place. I know those kind of travel concerns have been part of that equation, part of but, that But, you sure. know, but there also is a WHO page that I sent to my passengers about air travel and how the air quality on the planes is actually much better than we thought. Oh, is you that know, right? Yeah, you think of it as an incubator and stuff like Absolutely, that? Absolutely, I know. Right, so if I'm sitting next to you and I sneeze on you, you're doomed. But if I'm four rows back and I'm sneezing on someone else... They're the, doomed. They're doomed, Not but me. the air quality is very... It's like a, it's The air quality yeah. is the equivalent of an operating room. Really? Yeah. It's. A, I had no idea. I had no idea either. No. Mostly because it is my luck that whenever I am on an aircraft, the person next to me takes off their shoes and they have smelly feet. Well, it's interesting because oh. we have all these sort of assumptions or presumptions or whatever about things and... When we're faced with these situations, we learn more than, you know, we expected. But, yeah, that's one of them, that the air quality is pretty good on airplanes. I'm endlessly fascinated about that. I've got to Google that after the show because I want to learn more about that. That's search really interesting. W- search WHO, air, air, yeah. airplane air quality. It's okay. right there. I will. I will look at that. That's really interesting. Yeah. Well, for those of you who follow me on Twitter, I'm going to be sure and tweet that out after because that's uh, that's absolutely challenging assumptions. I think the common narrative is, oh... Uh, oh, I went on a trip, so I got the sniffles. Because right, think of right, exactly. Airplanes being so gross. How interesting. Okay, so you mentioned St. Patrick's Day, though, Steve, and I was wondering about, you know, here pretty soon, we got two things coming. We got the Illinois primary and St. Patrick's Day, mm-hmm. dying the river, all of that. In doing research for the uh, the segment that was planned today for talking about immune resistance, one of the things was like, hey, lay off the booze. So, well, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen no. because on the primary or the holiday. That's what I'm saying. On the primary, <laughs> those are two things that directly contribute to alcohol for right, sure. Right. I, I mean, I used to live here close to the studio, close enough that I could see the river being died from from my my place, and 
oh my gosh, there was just a sea of green, right. drunken carnage on the way. And I don't mean the river. I mean, people, uh, you know, really some really taxing the livers, I should say, uh, on St. Patrick's Day. We'll see. I don't know. I, I think it would be. Well, I mean, it, we, we're all struggling, aren't we, with trying to figure out the right sort of response. And it certainly is a real issue. Yeah. But I, I still am. I mean, I think it's going to get a certain number of us are going to be ill, but the majority of us who contract it are not going to even know it. So it's it's a difficult thing. I'm not worried about myself, like famous right. last words. Right? I'm worried about you, actually. You guys can use that clip when I'm dead. Right. Uh, I'm not worried. I, I survived. Um, pneumonia when i didn't have health insurance so i just did it on my own which is not advisable it's terrible <laughs> but i was like i, I had a, a gap in my health insurance and so i was like well i i don't have a choice here so i'm like you know what i toughed that out i can take anything which is i'm sure there's some medical professionals that are like amy Guth, you're an idiot for doing that right but that those were the choices i had i think that'd be all of them really most people that heard that probably just thought that but i really <laughs> i mean i really at the time just really did not not have a choice per se um but that is what i did i wrote it out and it worked out fine so i'm like you know what i'm i'm feel like i'm reasonably healthy like i don't know that i would know it i mean who who knows we there's still a lot of unknowns um but yeah it's the i think there's a responsibility to others part of it that i think gets lost in the conversation i think a lot of people are like i'm healthy i'd be fine i'm not going to worry about it i'm going to go live my life but because you could theoretically be carrying coronavirus out knowing it right but how many of us really would be or are or I, i'm not sure i just don't know i don't know either too bad we're not epidemiologists and right knew more you know i almost did that but i studied journalism instead i was so close to epidemiology my mom did study it so really? I, I think it's been really interesting to talk to her throughout this whole thing because she's been looking at it, you know very clinically through the whole thing and very objectively um but she i think her big concern right now is information she's like we you have to give people information to keep them from panicking people need to have all the information. So I think her concern lies in the number of people that have been tested, um, you know, that that might be... And we don't know that number, right? They're not telling us the number of people who've been tested negatively or... Correct. Yeah. yeah. Which is weird. Which is weird. So, you know, New York Times and CNN have both been uh, looking to state-level health departments to to gather numbers and, and try to keep some updates going. Because I think on the state level, some people are, there's some pre- presumptive positive cases that people have been reporting, things like that. But, um, you know, I, I think, it, again, you said it perfectly earlier in the show, and that is you, we have to be okay with not knowing right now. Right. I mean, and it's, and it's, it's going to impact some people severely, but the majority of us, it's just, it's just not. Right. It's and just not. Yeah. Again, famous last words, and they'll play this in the clip show to mourn <laughs> us know. both, Steve. Right. <laughs> That'll be that. I, yeah. I mean, I, I worry about my, my, my parents. You know, my mom is obviously taking it very seriously. My dad's health is not good at all. And, you know, I really worry about him just kind of like going about his day to day, like if, if he were to, um, you know, be in, and he's thinking of that. He's like, well, gosh, there was a, I went to Home Depot and there was a guy, coughing and hacking and i mean even the flu could be a very big deal for my dad with his health concerns so i think he's really thinking about this very hard of like wow what how how can i protect myself right now without without being you know ridiculous without being you know panicked about it and you know i don't i'm not i i 
Well, I have to be careful here, but okay. you know, the president tweeted out that there are 30, 70,000 people going to die from the flu this year. And he's not wrong about that. And so... I think he misses a couple of nuances of that, but I, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Those, those, that's and we don't, you accurate. know, we wouldn't, we were not going to cancel the St. Patrick's Day parade because people might catch the flu. That's right. But I think he's a couple things. One of them is he's talking about. Well, he's doing a lot of CIA there. I, I get that, sure. you know, but, yeah. but by the same token, there's, he's not incorrect. Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think the, the complication I have with that is that he's talking about a past tense number. We're talking about an average and a past tense as right. opposed to something we still don't know. We know it's going to happen. Right. Yeah, we still don't know. At this point, yes, the flu has killed more people in this country than, than coronavirus COVID-19 has, but we but it's not over yet. We don't know what's going to happen. It might, it might vanish. It might So it's not, not contained. Yeah, yeah, right, right, <laughs> right. I mean, I think there's a lot of considerations that, that we're talking about something that's still unfolding. So we don't know. It might be, it might be fine. You know, it might, it might be relatively, you know, it might not proceed much beyond what it is today. It might, it might be much worse. I don't know. We don't know. And that's the thing. I think we all have to get, get comfortable with, with not knowing right now. So a lot of things to wrestle with nonetheless. Well, uh, the doctor we were going to talk with today, she's joining us tomorrow at 2.30. We're going to be talking with her then about strengthening your immune system and how to keep it strong through any cold and flu season. And we're not just talking about coronavirus. We're talking about all the time, how to have a strong immune system and, and boost it and be healthy and be your best self. So that's coming up tomorrow at 2.30. But right now, we're going to take a break here on 720 WGN. All right. So we it is the time of the day that we move into the trending stories time, uh, trending topics. And there is one story. I don't know if it's trending, but it was sure uh, made for a little bit of, you know, some smiles and laughs on social media amid some grimmer headlines that we've been talking about lately. And that was for a few hours on Wednesday, residents of a northern Italian town realized that Something had happened and a local winery had caused a thousand liters of ready to be bottled wine started leaking into the water pipes, which I don't think is, uh, you know, who who wouldn't mind something like that happening? So the wine was a thousand years old. Yeah. Did you say that? No, I said it was a thousand liters. Oh, a thousand liters. A I'm thousand sorry. years yeah. old. I was like, wait, what? I just walked in. Okay, yeah. <laughs> no, it was a thousand liters of wine. Okay. So you're just like, I'm just going to go get a glass of water, turn on faucet. It's wine. <laughs> right. What? I like that. I mean, I, I think I can make a case for that being a, a switch on most faucets. Could be a coronavirus uh, extra there, you know? I know. See, the like a lot of uh, immune boosting conversation is around don't drink alcohol right, right now, like keep yourself healthy and sober and all that. But then there's the other of like, you know, it's medicinal. <laughs> it's uh, like it's it's for mental health. It's for coping. wine is worked for the millennial. I think, you know, when you think of like a war battlefield, what do you think of? Right. Grab some whiskey and you dig the bullet out. Nah, I think of dead people, but also sure. That. OK, also that. Anyway, nonetheless, <laughs> wine was coming out of faucets uh, for a few hours on Wednesday for the residents of that northern Italian town. That got my attention. Nice. And it made well, for some like funny And they could posts. use it up there, too, because they've had a rough... Milan and the whole northern Italy has rough had a go. rough time. That's right. Rough times with 16 million people quarantined right yeah. now, I believe is the number. Yeah, that's... Let's I mean, give them some wine. Let's keep that right. pipe issue Why going. Let's, Absolutely. Let's help them out. So, all right. Other, uh, other stories that I'm watching for some trending topics. Well, Jasmine, you mentioned there was some... That there was like one that was on your mind a lot. Oh, the Adidas and the... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about that. Um, 
I thought that the Adidas and the SpaceX is supposed to be doing something with shoes and sneakers. That's right. That's mostly what I know. So. <laughs> okay. That's why I was like, you have a thing. You're okay. So essentially, uh, Adidas is uh, going to send materials to the International Space Station in the name of science. In particular, they're sending some footwear. They're sending really? some shoes. Nice. I was a little more interested in um, how lettuce was recently grown in space. And how was it grown in space? It was grown. It worked. And it was you like know, in a pod or something? Yeah. Or? I mean, it looked like it was like a, the vertical garden kind right, of thing right, that you would right. see, see here. I don't know how watering worked. Well, we're going to need that when the coronavirus chases us all off the planet. We're going to need somewhere in space. You're going to gonna go with Elon Musk on that one? Yeah. I think, you know, I'm just trying to tie everything together here. I don't know. I think I might take my chances. Really? On Earth, rather okay. than, than run off with yeah, Elon your choice, Musk but and Jeff Bezos to space. Bring some balsamic, you'll be fine. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I reserve the right to change my mind about right, okay. that later, but I'm not locking down my official position on that, but eh, we'll see. Okay, um, we were mentioning earlier the cereal that was floating around here. Right, the peep cereal? The peep cereal. I just put this on Instagram. On the box, it says marshmallow-flavored cereal with marshmallows. (laughs) Marshmallow. (laughs) So it's like... um it's like Lucky, Lucky Charms, Charms right? Plus. Yeah, right, right. Lucky Charms Plus. Okay. It's more. I didn't even look at the nutritional. I'm going to go air quotes. I have not tried it yet. Have nutri- you tried it? Well, no, because it's been sitting here. That's the problem with food here is that you don't well, know how long it's been sitting. I it's think. cereal. It's not, it doesn't it's have open. to be fresh. It's open. But it's cereal. Then It's never. Well, le- but no, I did not. It's made the last for years. Oh, the shelf life of right. of peep cereal, I'm sure, is 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 pretty, pretty robust. Uh, but nonetheless... It is because uh, March 7th was National Cereal Day. Oh, nice. So perhaps it's been sitting there since the 7th. So, because peeps, too, you don't want to eat them very fresh either. You want them to stale up a little bit. Oh, you're a... Because you got to get... They, they've got to have a little crispiness to them. Some people like the uh, the toasted peep, as Right, exactly. Have you ever done a peep joust? You know what that is? <laughs> no, I okay. have not. So you get the peeps, not the bunnies, but the ducks. Because they got to be able to <laughs> it's gotta sit be up. Ducks. It's got to okay. be the ducks. Okay. Because they need to sit up on their own, and you put okay. a toothpick in the front, like, like chest bre- area, breastplate area, right, right. right, pointing at each other. And you, they have to be facing each other, and you put them into the microwave on a plate. Okay, so you've got two peeps hold like pointing toothpicks at in each a other, microwave in a microwave oven, and you hit go on the microwave, and they're going to start inflating, and one of them eventually is going to stab the other one. That's <laughs> sick. That's a peep joust. No, I've never seen that. Sounds like quite the cleanup as well. <laughs> it's a hot mess. I may have gotten grounded once for doing that. <laughs> May or Did may they not. ever explode? Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Oh, definitely. No. Yeah, no, definitely. I don't think so. Because that's what, once it hits the toothpick, poof, it's everywhere. So you get peeps, you like open them up, you set them aside for three or four days, and then you get a little crust on the outside. Hmm. That's how it works. How do you feel about the peeps that are now going across holiday? No, line? it's not the same. No, no I you don't too like much Christmas. sugar also that. Yeah, like Lauren, too, a Christmas peep is not the right kind of peep. No, no, you want kind of those nutmeg, cinnamon flavors, not just pure sugar. They're not my peeps. (laughs) Those peeps are not my peeps. No, they're not my peeps. (laughs) That's right. Or like the Halloween peeps. No. No. Maybe 4th of July where they like dressed up in the wigs like the founding fathers. That would be good. Yeah, give me a peep I can roast over the fire. Wait a minute. What peeps have wigs? Well, they don't yet, but I'm just saying (laughs) that could be one I could go for. Like a Somebody's Alexander Hamilton hit. peep oh. <laughs> or Patrick Henry peep. Presidential peeps. Right. Oh, my God, Lauren. That's a Copyright dollar. Who do I, was I, gonna who do say, I need to talk to? Go buy that domain right now. I when will I give a, 10% to Steve because he let me. Thank you very much. When I was a kid, we had uh, presidential candidate trading cards. 
Oh, wow. I don't know if you remember that, but <laughs> so I had a Shirley Chisholm trading card. Oh, wow. She was a New York congresswoman, African-American, who ran for president. Yeah. So that would be kind of fun, like a peep you candidate have, for president. You have that now? No, I don't have it now. No, no. But we could have like a um, Elizabeth Warren peep. <laughs> a Trump peep. A Trump peep. A Biden peep. peep right. A Bernie peep. Yeah. A Tulsi Gabbard peep. <laughs> <laughs> peep. Right. Somebody, let's see, what, what's the right name? There's got to be some name where it, like, how would Buddha Judge and Peep work together? I don't know. A Buddha Judge. A Peep Peep. Peep a Judge. Peep Peep. peep. <laughs> yep. We have not been hitting the Mayor Italian Peep. No. peep. <laughs> Did you see he's going to host um, Jimmy Kimmel Live on Thursday? Who, Buddha Judge? Yeah. I didn't gonna see that. He's going to fill in. Patrick Stewart's going to be the guest. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. How about Interesting. that? Interesting. I don't know how to feel about that, but I'm gonna. I'll tune well, in for that. Well, take your time. You've got till Thursday. I'll tune in for that. I'll tune in for that for sure. Okay, so let us zip back to coronavirus stuff for a second here, um, because there is a, a piece in CNN to teach people exactly how long they should be washing their hands, and they have listed out some songs like "Here's Based. How You Can Do That," and so one of the songs is uh, "Jailhouse Rock" by Elvis Presley. Mm-hmm. It is pretty much the whole beginning of the song. That's pretty long. That's kind of starting with the warden through a party in the county jail. And you're washing the whole All time. All the way through. Everybody in the whole cell block was dancing to the jailhouse rock. That's but, long. You know, the faucets now are automatic, so they don't last that long either. Exactly where I'm going with this. Right. So I feel like I have to like, you get your soap and you start and then you just got to step away Keep going and then come back <laughs> and i was trying to time that today because we just get like a burst of water on right. our faucets here and i think it took me four tries but the water there. the water is lukewarm so that's good usually yeah i was gonna say i'm used to the most automatic faucets being quite chilly okay other songs that you can also wash your hands to mm-hmm. for the right amount of time dancing queen by abba yeah not gonna happen <laughs> i want to see i'd rather get sick <laughs> <laughs> um, also, I love rock and roll by Joan Jen the Blackhawk. Yeah, still like the cough. I go for the cough. I I feel like I need to see Steve Bertrand washing his hands. <laughs> like I love rock and roll. I'm in. I'm into that. Uh, Say my name by Destiny's Child. Uh, no, I couldn't do it. What song could you? Well, Happy Birthday works for me. I think I know that. I know that song. How about Miss Jackson by Outkast? Okay, maybe I could do that. I want to hear. I really feel like I need to hear Steve Bertrand. Like, sorry, Miss <laughs> Jackson. <laughs> Hit that. Woo-hoo. Yeah, that's the part I need to hear. Uh, and then Truth Hurts by Lizzo. Okay. I like Lizzo. I like Lizzo. Yeah. I think the, everybody likes Lizzo. The Lizzo's good. Yeah, the Lizzo. All right. Do you have any of these songs like Handy, Jasmine? I think you got one or two of them. Let's see just how long this is, because it feels quite a while if you just listen to the, the, the clip. What song do we have first? Okay, we got the Lizzo song. Why are men great till they gotta be great? Don't text me and tell it straight to my Yeah, I'm clean. No washing. No washing. <laughs> That's a lot of washing. I definitely have not been washing my hands long enough. I would have stopped by now. No, I'm so clean by now. That's a lot of hand washing. Yeah, it is. Like I'm, I'm three, chafing a little bit. Three-fourths like, of the way through, I felt like, okay, I'm really done. I'm like flaking. I, I don't want to flake. No. And then here's the other thing, and this is just me being paranoid about germs. You wash your hands, but then you got to get out of that room and get back into work. Right. And you got to touch all the doorknobs again. So I'm like, duh. You know what I do? I like use my mouth. I open it by with, with my <laughs> mouth. I try to open <laughs> with like my elbow where I can. Right. Uh, but yeah, no, no. you know, it's going to happen. No. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen.
That's how I feel too. Right. I just don't want to be spreading germs to people. I'm okay with my immune system. I just don't know what everybody else has going on. So you love yourself and you love others more than yourself, sort of. Yes, you right. could say that about right. me. That's very. That's just really anyone, nice. I don't think anyone's ever. We'll said put that, that on your tombstone because <laughs> she always thought of others. Right. <laughs> that's right. All right. Well, we got to wrap. Well, thank you so much, Steve Bertrand, for uh, washing your hands to music. I'm looking forward to video of you washing your hands at length to one of those songs, especially Miss Jackson with the falsetto part. All right. So it is two fifty-five. Coming up, we would normally go into the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom for news at the top of the hour, but we have White Sox baseball coming up, and all of that is coming up next on. WGN Radio.